This is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, welcome back, friends. Today, Jeff and I are hanging out with Adam Breckenridge, our Director of Coaching. And in this episode, we're talking about three essentials for coaching with the Enneagram. These are three categories and skill sets that are time-tested and that I have been using for years and that I use every day. And we get to share these three essentials with you today. Well, what are these three essentials? Uh, There are three really broad categories that make a person a great Enneagram coach. Uh, As a matter of fact, just a great coach or mentor in general, but we're going to apply this to uh, becoming an Enneagram coach. Well, the three are your head, hands, and your heart. You need all three. And if you don't have one of the three, then there's a problem. But it provides a holistic, simple approach to coaching that we think is really going to help you to get a picture of what it means to be a coach. And so, Beth, why don't you kick us off with the first essential when it comes to coaching with the Enneagram? Yeah, absolutely. So in the framework of the head, hands, and heart, I'll start with the head, which is to say that the first essential everyone needs to be a great Enneagram coach, obviously, is that we need to know about the Enneagram, right? Uh, It is amazing. that I mean, there are people who are so fascinated by the Enneagram and its popularity that they'll jump in on just seeing the opportunity for using a personality tool, which which is kind of funny, but they have no idea what the Enneagram is. Yeah. And actually to even piggyback on that, a lot of people think they know the Enneagram, Mm. but they really don't. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. They may have read a few books and honestly, it depends on which teacher you've been learning from. Sometimes people know, sometimes they know just enough to be dangerous too. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So to be an excellent Enneagram coach, you have to have solid understanding of the Enneagram and how the structure works You need to know the things of the core motivations. You need to know all the things about the wings, the Enneagram paths, triads, subtypes, stances, et cetera, et cetera. And those of you that are out there thinking, okay, well, I know about the wings. What else is she talking about? Exactly. There's a lot of layers to the Enneagram. It gets very complex. The great news is at YEC, we do a great job explaining it from a simple perspective but keeping it profound. Um, But the other thing that we offer, which is so important and vital to the way we use the Enneagram, is making sure that we use the Enneagram from a gospel-centered perspective. That's right. So the the Christ-centered perspective of using the Enneagram is really unique to what YEC provides. And it's integrating the understanding of the Enneagram, but applied through the lens of the gospel. And you've heard us say this time and time again, that the Enneagram is an amazing tool, but it's the gospel that transforms us. And that formula is so important. And the reason why we say it this way and talk about the gospel this way is that uh, some have thought of believing the gospel as like the first step in a ladder. But the reality is, is that you, you never will live a day where you're not having to trust or believe what Christ has done for us. All of God's promises, past, present, and future, are all based upon His work through His Son, Jesus Christ, now applied to us by the Spirit. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Mm -hmm. Now, 
not the insights of the Enneagram, but right. if we allow the insights of the Enneagram to capture our imagination, we'll realize that there is something profound that the Spirit of God is inviting us to, uh, which is deeper transformation, deeper relationship with God and with others and with ourselves. Well, Adam, uh, you've been coaching with the Enneagram for several years. So how have you seen the Enneagram in conjunction with the gospel work together in your coaching and pastoring? Yeah, well, I mean, the the two do work so well together. And so we're talking here about having a basic knowledge of how they work together, which is essential for, for coaching. And so... I mean, I'll say it this way, like knowing, knowing the Enneagram helps me know what my client needs. And then knowing the gospel helps me apply the truth of Christ to what my client needs. So that, that knowledge of the Enneagram and that knowledge of the gospel and how the two work together helps me not just highlight what my client wants to change, but it it helps me offer them hope that, that change is possible. So, um, we don't just get to, you know, uh, needle around in their hearts and in their core motivations and talk about all their pain, mm-hmm. pain points, but we get to actually apply the truth of the gospel to those places. And so really, yeah. I think being fluent in the Enneagram and being fluent in the gospel is, is, is what makes for a great coach. So I just want to re- reiterate and agree with you, Beth, that that's that knowledge, that basic knowledge of the Enneagram and how the gospel applies to each type is, is crucial for, uh, and it can make anyone a great coach. Right. And one thing that I do also want to clarify as I was just listening to us talk here is that having a complete and comprehensive knowledge of the Enneagram uh, doesn't have to be accomplished before becoming a coach. I I mean, in, in our use of the Enneagram over 20 plus years and Adam, uh, for your experience as well, we continue to learn more right. and more the more we right. coach. That's right. Yeah. And each person that we coach. Each person. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about this sometimes where, you know, each Enneagram type is like a color at Sherman Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a thousand blues. Right. And when we talk with people, the, the sense of curiosity and wanting to learn and to master the Enneagram, to see it in action, um, that is a lifelong task. That right. is not something yeah. that you're just going to be able to do immediately once you take the course, you get the badge, and then you're off in coaching. So yeah. we're not saying you have to know everything. But a working knowledge of it and understanding the Enneagram is really crucial to becoming a great coach. Mm -hmm. Well, the second element to becoming an Enneagram coach has to do with uh, our hands or our skills that every coach will need uh, in order to coach people with Enneagram. I'd love to hear from you both on this. So, Adam, why don't we go with you? What What are some of the basic skills that every Enneagram coach needs? Yeah, well, Beth, you know, we, we were talking about this earlier. We can kind of ping pong this but um, and jump in at any point, you know, and add, add commentary to both of you. But, I, I mean, I would say the first one that comes to mind uh, that is a skill is building trust. I think it's mm-hmm. it's so important, and you guys know, to, to build trust with your client. And without the trust, the, the coaching relationship will only go so far. You know, with without the trust, there will be no vulnerability or there will be very limited vulnerability from the client. There's going to be a, a reluctance to be open about their pain points, about their desires. They're not going to be willing to share those if they don't feel like they're in a safe place with you as the coach. So um, a coach needs to have the skill of cultivating a safe relational soil where trust can grow between the, the coach and the client. And, and, mm-hmm. and you guys know there's really important things happening in, in the brain when, when that happens. Like when, 
new neural pathways are being developed when a client can learn to trust their coach. And so it really is a key part of the coaching relationship and the transformational process of what we want to see happen in our clients. And I think it's a, it's a real skill to be able to do that. I mean, that's not something that just happens naturally to be able to build trust with other people and particularly with our clients. That's, that's a real skill and an essential hands piece that every coach needs. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Absolutely. Yeah, and I would just say probably the second one is empathy and compassion. Yes. So compassion is just like a gut-wrenching pain, like really in the gut. I mean, it talks about when Jesus had compassion. There's just this deep uh, sense of pain towards someone, just this feeling of compassion that moves us towards people. And it's the same thing that for the Good Samaritan to move towards the person on the road, they had this deep compassion, Mm -hmm. you know, to move towards them and to help them at whatever cost. And it's really what moved God to step into our world um, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ to redeem us. He had compassion for us. In Romans 5, 8, you know, Christ already knew that we were sinning and that we were going to continue to sin. And That's he right. had compassion for us and he moved to redeem us. Um, and so we want our coaches and we need our coaches to have the skill of moving and feeling what their client is feeling and moving towards them, to sit with them in that pain, to give them that space um, and that tenderness and care. But also a good coach isn't, you know, someone that's just going to, let's say, uh, look through the window of someone's messy house and go, oh, yeah, I see that you need to clean that up. Uh, This is pretty bad. No, a good coach is one that goes into the house Mm -hmm. and sits with them and helps guide them and attunes to the client's feelings and needs and actually being there as a source of encouragement and a guide in helping them to clean up that messy place. Um, and so that's what we all really desire. We long to be seen, heard, and cared for. And that is what a good coach will do. Wow. I just kind of want to just like uh, do, make the whole episode about that, Beth. That's, that's, that's so good. <laughs> and I love the definition of compassion as, you know, not just looking through the window at someone's messy house, but actually crawling through the window to get in that mess with them. That is so such yeah. a great description of, of compassion. Um, I would say another key hands piece and skill that every coach needs is is partnering with this person as a team. So 
Mm-hmm. I think a good coach knows how to partner with their client. And I think that's a real skill that you have to develop as a coach because the temptation for, for a coach, at least for me, is to be a fixer, um, a problem solver, an expert, um, or even a savior, really. Like it's my job to transform this person. But the reality is a good coach is a partner. And, and as a partner, mm-hmm. it's my job to help this person I'm coaching to discover their type, not to not to do that for them, but to guide them in that journey, um, to help them identify their pain points and their goals and their desired outcomes. And then I get to partner with them and partner with the Holy Spirit in helping them get to where they they, they need to go, where they want to go. So, yeah. you know, a coach is not the savior, but really more of a, a partner and a guide and I think, again, that's a skill that you have to develop because it's easy. Again, I'll speak for myself, but I, I think it's true for most coaches. It's easy to come with our agenda. Um, it's easy to kind of let our own anxieties or desires get in the way of the process. But really, the skill is I'm, I'm here to build a partnership with my client to help them accomplish their goals and partner with what God is doing in their life. I think that's a, that's a crucial skill. Yeah. And Adam, even just kind of going along with that, it is so great that you say that because I would say for many of us, I wouldn't say all of us, but for many of us, we just want to give advice or we just want to fix them. That's like, right. Oh, I've got the answer for you. Here you go. Yeah. Now, or, or in, in Enneagram coaching, a lot of it is uh, teaching. Well, that's what so I was going to say. Gonna teach people yeah. what to believe. Well, because there is, I mean, there's an element. It's a little bit different than a that's lot right. of like coaching techniques and stuff that we really do have to teach and train a certain element of like, so if we're talking about wings, I have to explain to a degree what these wings are so they have an understanding. But for me just to go, oh, well, yeah, this is your wing. I know this is your wing. You know, like, no, that's, that is not the path uh, for a coach. The coach is guiding and listening and helping the person to assess really what's going on and what they're learning and the path that they need to go, which is really fun. Because like you said, Jeff, like every client is so different and we get the honor and the privilege of really listening to their story and what God has done right. in and through them and where God is taking them. Yes. Um, well, okay. So the next one I would say is agreeing on desired outcomes because, you know, as a coach, yeah, I definitely have certain thoughts and insights of where I'm hoping to take a specific type. <laughs> Ever had that thought like, oh, I know where you need to go and what <laughs> yes. you need to work on. Oh, <laughs> for sure. I've got a plan for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here we go. God's got a wonderful plan for your life and I know it. Yes. I'm your coach. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, that's very tempting, um, but I do not know their heart. I do right. not know their story. Yeah. So I always want to come alongside the client um, and usually just in session one or maybe an initial consultation and help the person to identify where they're wanting to go. What, what are they wanting from these coaching sessions? So what is their pain points? What are they wrestling with? Where are they stuck and where do they want to end up? Where are their desires? Uh, What is their preferred future? And this is different than counseling. So a lot of you out there might be hearing certain terminology and like, well, that sounds like counseling. No counseling is taking where the person is today and looking back at childhood wounds and traumas and doing healing modalities to help that, to help them heal. Where the coach, yeah, we want to kind of know a little bit about their story, but we're taking where they are today and moving them forward. So again, what are their preferred outcome? Where are they looking to go? And then how can I come alongside and support them in that way? So that would be my uh, 
the fourth point we would talk uh, about. So, so helpful. Um, I think a fifth key hands uh, skill is asking good questions. You know, I think mm. the world uh, loves Ted Lasso right now. And Ted Lasso, yes. he has this great line where he says, be curious, not judgmental. And mm -hmm. I think curiosity is one of the most crucial skills for, I mean, honestly, for being a good human, <laughs> um, but, but for being a great coach. Yeah. And so coaches need to learn to be curious and ask good questions. Jesus was the master at this. You know, you go back and read the gospels and he was always asking questions that draw out the heart. And by the way, like the most common to, to go back to your point, the point you just made, uh, Beth, about desired outcomes, um, Jesus's most common questions were around what is it that you want what is it that you desire mm -hmm. and he would he would put human beings back in touch with their heart back in touch with their desires and what it is that they want and 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 then you know he would he would ask questions around the barriers that are keeping them from that like okay well go and sell everything you have and come and experience life so he he was always asking these questions and so i think to learn this skill, you have to kind of put some rules in place. Um, and there's some great books like how to, you know, how to listen so that people will talk uh, is a great resource. But I, I think some good rules of thumb uh, could be for every pronouncement, ask 10 questions, you know. So uh, and, and, and that's exaggerated, but it's to make the point of, you know, be, be curious, not judgmental. Um, this is about mm. dis discovery, not necessarily declaration of here, let me give you all the answers, but let me ask questions to help you discover what is true. I think one more um, good rule of thumb that I have to follow because I, I can easily slip into teacher mode. I love teaching. I think there's, as we've already said, a, a, there is an element of teaching and coaching. There has to be, but a good rule of thumb for me is whenever you're tempted to dive in with an idea or offer a solution, stop and ask a question. And uh, I think that's just a crucial skill. So good. Well, then the next one kind of goes right with it and is just as important is that you need to listen and collect stories. Yeah. And what we mean by this is it is not, a, not enough to just ask a question. Like we can ask questions all day long, but if you're not listening, you're not a good coach. Have you ever been in a session where you just really get wrapped up into asking this profound question and you're just proud of the question that <laughs> more than you are and uh, listening to them? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> like, man, that was a really good question. Jeff, you're like... Or, or you're, you ask it and it lands on them really weird. You, you're meddling. Okay, you're, we'll, we'll go ahead, Ed. You're, you're meddling right now. I just, I feel very exposed <laughs> as a coach. <laughs> Right, right. No, I never do that. No, but yeah, but we do. We have to learn how to listen. And because, yeah. you know, for some people that there are some types that that's really a natural way of being and others, it's not. Um, so we want to take some time to really listen. I mean, I think that's why God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? Um, but then the Bible also says in James one nineteen be quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, as a coach, we really need to think through what is it that God is calling me to say to this client right now? You know, mm -hmm. because there's a lot we could say, a lot of insights or wisdom, but what is it that they need right now? So we have to be very mindful and slow to speak. Mm -hmm. And then if we think about uh, Job's friends, I mean. Oh, man. 
at first they were killing it, right? They were listening and empathizing. Um, and then they started to uh, try to fix. They started talking and trying to make sense of Job's situation. And Job called them miserable counselors. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they were not great coaches in the end. So these guys are bad examples. We want to take time to practice the skill of listening so that we can really attune ourselves to our clients and their needs and listen also to the Holy Spirit and what he's wanting us to say and how to guide them. But I know for me as a coach, one of my favorite things in listening is that I get to really know my client's story. I can't tell you how amazing it is to meet with client after client, like you said, Jeff, it's, you know, let's say I'm meeting with a type three, like, well, there are so many different types threes or so many different stories. And I get to partake in listening to their story and what God has done in it through a life, but also where they've struggled, where they've been hurting and to listen for examples in their stories to tie in what they're learning about their type. It, it is such a fun skill to do, but I also just really marvel at how God has created them and also where he's taking them. And so it's really important for us to listen to our clients so that we can bring transformational information as they start to grow. Yeah. And one of the things that in the idea of collecting stories is we get to bear witness with, to, with them mm -hmm. over what their experiences are that shape yeah. their sense of personality. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, I mean, we, we all know this and we wish people could see our lives through our lens and understand how we have experienced these things. And so to be able to allow a person to share their story, to approach it with curiosity, um, that we can now bear witness with them on what's actually happened in their life yeah. or what they long to happen in their life and to come alongside them as partners and being able to get there. Yeah. yeah. So good. That's huge. That's huge. Wow. Well, I think <clears throat> another skill that goes along with that that is its own form of listening, by the way, um, is is prayer. I think prayer is a really important skill. And I call it a skill because prayer is something that takes pra yeah. practice. It really does. Yeah. And um, I heard a spiritual director say one time, and I know that's its own disciplines. You know, spiritual direction is its own discipline, like, mm -hmm. like therapy and counseling and, and coaching. And yet there's elements that overlap in all of them. But I, I, I heard a spiritual director say one time that when I'm sitting across the table from someone, and I, again, this is a skill I try to practice just as a human being, right? Whether it's in relationship with my wife or my kids or my family or, uh, or a work relationship or, or a client. Um, when I'm sitting across from someone else, I want to try to have one ear in heaven and one on the ground. Like, I want to be listening to um, what God is doing, what, like just paying attention to, to, to uh, my own dependence for him. I want to be aware of that. Uh, and I want to be listening to the person that's across from me. And I, I have to realize as a coach, and again, this is a skill because it doesn't come naturally to, to human beings. I'm completely dependent upon God to, to do the heavy lifting of changing lives. I mean, it, just on a theological level, like I'm completely dependent upon God for everything. So he, he made me, mm -hmm. he made me to have to sleep and eat or I'll die. 
And and so right. yeah. the, the, the fact that I have to stop being productive and effective to eat and to sleep and rest are, are, are things that are built into the fabric of creation that remind me that I'm a dependent creature. That posture has to sure. come with me into the coaching space. So when I'm coaching someone, like I have to remind myself as a coach that what 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 the client is wanting to accomplish and what I'm wanting to accomplish as a coach is perfectly designed to fail apart from God. So I think that prayer is a is a really essential piece that that can make anyone a great coach and it's it's a crucial skill that we need. Well, and a few things that as a pastor whenever I would sit across the uh across from various types of people in various situations there's I I'm going to call it pre present and post mm. prayer. Um, pre prayer was this uh, in preparation for this time. We, we are human beings as well. And we bring a lot of experience and life to That's these right. coaching sessions with people. And so we want to be the, the best we can, the most available to them. So checking in with our heart with God. Uh, and I think of the present moment, there were just times that as a young pastor and even uh, as I, and later in my pastoral career, recognize that there are times that I just miss stuff. Yep. And I will ask that, you know, the yeah. client may be telling me something, but I'm like, what is missing here? And I'm asking our father who greatly cares about their life. Like he's the one who has made promises to carry it on to completion. Yes. Uh, he's not dependent upon me to do that. So father, what, what would you have for this time? What's actually happening here? what's happening inside of me, what's happening inside of them, and asking for insight. And then there's just the post-time, the post-meeting, hmm. where we have the opportunity that if there, sometimes we can leave these coaching sessions with something significant happening, but they're going to have to go back to their families, to their other relationships, right. and yeah. start trying to live this out in their careers. And as we all know, it, that can be tough. That's really yeah, tough. It's hard. Especially whenever we have insight we want to change, but we're not quite sure how to do it, and we don't have much practice yet. Well, yeah. and that can get really, uh, we can heap on a lot of shame or condemnation on ourselves because it's like, well, I learned the skill, or I learned oh, yes. the, like, That's why right. can't I implement it? So yes. as a coach, it's really important that we come alongside through prayer, but also guidance in that, in that skill set. Like, yeah, we're going to make mistakes, and it's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Well, I would say the last step, and this is a really important one, and we take it very seriously at your Enneagram Coach, is to have a process. Mm. It's really important for a coach to have a process in place and to know how to implement it and how to follow it. Um, and this is so key in helping clients um, that are interested actually become clients and to retain clients. Um, for us, we have a very particular process that I train our coaches in. It's called Discover, Explore, Become. So it's a three-step coaching process. And in our Become an Enneagram Coach course, we literally lay out the framework for our coaches to understand, especially how to take them through the first five or six sessions so that not only the coaches feel really comfortable moving into that coaching relationship, but the clients are so excited to go through a process that they know my coach knows exactly what's going on. I mean, can you imagine watching Star Wars whenever Luke Skywalker is being trained by Yoda and Yoda like, I don't know what you want to do, but why don't you just go hang upside down on the tree? Right. Or how about try to 
let's let's see if you can lift your ship. I don't know if it's going to be helpful or not. That just doesn't build trust and right. confidence. Yes. You need a process. And I am yes. so proud of what uh, Beth has a developer uh, skill. She just loves to develop people. And it started to shine whenever uh, she was working in ministry. And so she has created such a clear process for people. I mean, yikes, people come to Enneagram coaching like the Enneagram has been so helpful to me, but I don't know what coaching is or what it would look like. And to have a process really helps their heart to calm it down. Is. It's, yes. It helps the coaches to feel, okay, here's the process. And we've developed guide sheets and the guide sheets guide the coaches as they guide their clients. And that's what we've been talking this whole time, guiding our clients and listening to the Holy Spirit and being present. But what's so great is when I talk to a potential client and I show them exactly the process that I'm going to take them through. And I show them the examples of the guide sheets for their particular personality style. They are so excited that we're not just going to figure it out. Like they're just going to start talking. Where are we going? What's happening? Is there a, a an end game here? Is there, what is happening? You know, no one enjoys that kind of process. So what we've done and developed in our Becoming Enneagram Coach course is a tried and true process that we've had over 1,500 people take the course and see how amazing this process is and to then keep working it time and time again. And it's just remarkable what God does with a tried and true process. And so it's really been fun to not only develop it and use it, but then to see all these other coaches using it. So those are the hand or the skill sets that I know Adam and I kind of put together. I'm sure there's many more that we could discuss, but let's jump into the last part, which is the heart. So Jeff and Adam, why don't you guys take it from here? Well, something that that I thought gave, um, vocabulary to my experience in experiencing calling uh, came from Dan Allender. And what he used, Micah 6.8, that um, what does God require of us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And he changed that and put it into a context of framing calling. And this is, I think, in some part what why so many people are interested in becoming an Enneagram coach. And it's what the Enneagram is speaking to that's different than other personality tools is this idea of calling because God uses our stories to reveal something that we don't quite understand about ourselves. And so Allender turned it into three questions. Mm. What makes you angry? Mm. What make what what energizes you to move to justice for people? Mm-hmm. Number two, what makes you weep? Mm-hmm. Loving mercy. What is it that you see as a, a burden or a pain point in people that you want to move towards and be a healing advocate in their lives? And then lastly, what do you love to do? When you put those three things together, you start to separate out between what's a job versus what's a calling. And for many people, it explains something that they experience with the Enneagram when you start to realize, like, I I don't want to live the way that I used to. Mm-hmm. And the Enneagram gave me vocabulary and clarity and a path to becoming the person that I long to be. And they want to be advocates for others that they can overcome the obstacles necessary 
to become the people God designed them to be. And they, they weep over seeing transformation happen in people. And they just can't think of not sharing the Enneagram with people through a coaching relationship, through a presentation to a group, through consulting with business teams, whatever the application may be, yeah. it just gives someone a profound sense of joy. Yeah. Now, this speaks to the idea of passion. It This longing and passion is what animates us as people. And we anticipate, we remain curious always wanting to take the next step with people to see what God's going to do with our life. And it brings him great glory when these things happen, but it brings us great joy. Yeah. Adam, what would you add? Yeah. Well, first of all, if we're going to talk about asking great questions, I want to say that that's, those are three of the most powerful questions that, uh, that you you can ask. Yeah. So just, as a loyal six, like these are not my questions, <laughs> but I am more than willing to borrow great questions from other people. Yeah. And uh, so to act justly, what makes you angry? What gets you up? What gets you fired up? Yeah. Think of even, even it comes up in movies. Mm-hmm. Like what are the movies that really frustrate you? Yeah. And why? Your yeah. anger is revealing something about who God has gifted you to be. Mm-hmm. Number two, to love mercy. What makes you weep? Mm-hmm. Uh, what stories do you watch where you experience that? What what situations when people are telling you about their lives move you to tears? What breaks your heart? Last, lastly, yeah. what breaks your heart? Yeah. Yes, yeah. And to walk humbly with your God. What do you What do you find joy doing? Mm. So good. yeah, that's so good. I I just want kind of want to encourage everybody listening to sit with those. Before you go ask someone else those questions, do yourself a favor and sit yeah. with those questions. Um, Absolutely. and, and that will, um, if you're a coach, that's going to, that's going to create a lot of clarity around your niche and your, your vocational calling as a coach. Um, that that's, I, man, I mean that yeah, I haven't, haven't even applied it in that sense, but yeah, you want to work with a particular people group. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is it? Who, yeah. who are you passionate about? Yeah. Who do you, who do you want to serve? Given us, yeah. God's given us each a different heart and passion. Because if we were all passionate about one people group, well, the gosh, we'd be leaving out so many others. You know, there's yeah. a specific, you know, people group that I gravitate towards because of my own story and because mm-hmm. of the, the skill sets God has given me. And that's a beautiful thing. And then for you, I know, Jeff, it, it, we have a lot of similarities, but you also are able to take a different people group even further, which astounds me. And I really praise God. And when I watch that happen, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, oh, man. I don't quite have that skill set, but man, I love watching God working in through you as yeah. well. Yeah, that's so good. Well, the, the the last thing I would add to that when we're talking about the heart of a coach, and I love that we're, we're doing this framework, by the way, of head, hands, heart, because it's a holistic picture of what makes a great coach. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so talking about a heart, you know, Jeff, you talked about calling and passion, and I would just add character and presence um, to, to that, uh, just to kind of round that out. And there's probably a lot of other things we could talk about, but when I, when I think about the character of a coach, I think there's, I mean, there's so many character pieces that we could focus in on, but I think humility, um, is really the door, the doorway, um, into making a, a, a great coach. So I think, you know, knowing your humility, humility says, I know what my gifts are and I know what my limits are. So, um, mm-hmm. humility says, I don't have all the answers, but I do have some, 
And so I think you have to be okay with that as a coach and you have to be willing to embrace your gifts and the limits and even the limits of your discipline. So, you know, I think having the humility to know when something's above your pay grade or when you need to refer a client, um, having the humility to be able to sit with a client and, um, and use your gifts, but also at times say, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I think that's, that's a huge, uh, when it comes to the heart of a coach and then presence, you know, it's, it's been said the most important gift that you can offer someone else is your own transformed presence. And I say, it's been said, I don't know who said it, but I'm it, it, to, to, to mirror you, Jeff, as a loyal six, I don't want to steal someone else's quote. So I know it came from someone else. <laughs> was it you? Was it you and me, Jeff, talking one time about how we quote other people not to sound smart, but because it's it's in the name of loyalty and faithfulness. It's like, oh, I probably so. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, my family gets tired of it. Like, okay, we know that Allender said it. Yes, yeah. okay, we got it. Gottman said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, you know, there was that pastoral joke that went around for a while when a pastor first says a quote. They say so and so said. Yeah. After a few years, they'll say um, someone said, and then towards the end of their career, it's I've always said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. and for that, just for some reason, just betrays. It, it, I experience oh. like I'm betraying someone else by not exactly. saying where it came from. Exactly. Well, here I go again because I'm, I'm going to drop another one. So Ed Friedman talks about the the power of a non anxious presence, and so I yes. think when we talk about your, your presence being the most important gift, we're really saying that your competency matters. Um, your skill matters. I mean, those things are huge, but, but your presence is the most important thing about you as a coach, because what Friedman's getting at and so many others is, is people have permeable souls, which means they can be, they can be affected by your presence. And we all know this, like you, you've been in the presence of someone who's anxious. If you've ever been in the presence of an anxious leader, you are on an anxious team, right? So, um, and, and, and so, well, the, I mean, a great example of this, this is a funny example, but it's, it gives a really good picture. If anyone's watched Caesar Milan, you know, the dog whisperer, mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what he's doing the entire time is he's around all these anxious dog parents, you know, parents, <laughs> you know, of dogs and the dogs are all chaotic and crazy. And he comes in with this non-anxious assertive presence Yes, and he guides That's with, right. with that non-anxious assertive process and everything changes. Yes. Um, and then if the, if the parent doesn't learn that skill set, it goes right back to where it came from. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's so important to have that kind of presence. You know, there's actually a, a great movie that I would recommend to people about what, what is an actual example of this idea of non-anxious presence? Uh, and the movie is a Will Smith, Matt Damon movie called The Legend of Bagger Vance. Mm. Oh, Will Smith um, so is sort of a mystical coach, mentor, uh, caddy that comes in to help Matt Damon organize his interior world in order to be uh, a great golfer. And so it, it's a fantastic movie to watch. So uh, matter of fact, if uh, our, for our listeners, if you ever if you do go watch it, uh, be sure to come back and leave a comment mm-hmm. on how helpful it was and thinking about what it means to be a coach. Yeah, and you we, know, as a matter of fact, lot. you know what we ought to do sometime. We are in, within the becoming an Enneagram coach community. 
we ought to have a movie night oh, and uh, everybody yes. watch the legend of bagger vance yes let's See, do it. this this is why people want to become a coach because we get to do movie nights yes together. let's do it no but but we use that movie a lot just the framework the idea of being a non-anxious parent yeah you know? that's right and, yeah and i mean that doesn't mean a parent that doesn't care it's the opposite it's like no we care greatly yeah. but we don't have to be overly anxious which then spills into our kids and then they get anxious and all of this goes you yeah know, to Hayward. yeah but yeah. anyway I, I'll, yeah, Adam, I'll, so I'll, keep going well no i just want to say one thing because um it's funny that i'm you know as a six i'm over here talking about being a non-anxious presence and any other coach or anyone else who is fluent in the enneagram listening to this is like dude you, you you're more anxious than anybody so here here's the first of all all humans get anxious okay sixes don't Yes. don't have yes. the haven't cornered the market on anxiety so but i will say this like i, I love that because i sometimes say that too like <laughs> don't you dare just put that on us yeah and even the you know type ones probably say that too like okay seriously guys with the perfectionism we're not the only perfectionist ones on the enneagram that's, okay so that's exactly. we may be really gifted at it um yeah and we we do it perfectly but <laughs> but everybody's trying to be as good that's as we right. are well, and I, I just want to add this because I, we're talking about the heart of a coach. So let me just say this to your heart is everybody gets anxious. I mean, humans get anxious. And until until you know, this story ends and redemption is consummated, like we're going to battle anxiety. So I think the one thing that makes your presence more anxious is whenever you meet your anxiety with shame and judgment. So I think mm-hmm. what cultivates that non-anxious presence is to be aware of your anxiety and to welcome it with compassion uh, and to remember that God is tender toward toward that part of you. Um, and I think that is what is going to bring about uh, a peaceful presence with your clients, um, with any, any, any significant relationship you're in. You know, your presence will either be toxic uh and, and kind of cause unhealthy things to grow like it'll cause anxiety to grow in other people or it can function like this antibody that brings life and health in, in into the uh into the room and into the you know the hearts of the people that you're coaching and working with but again it the key to being a not being a non-anxious presence is a is a journey not a destination this side of heaven so I think the key to to getting there, and we're never going to stay there consistently, but it's a it's a place we can arrive at and keep coming back to through the doorway of of compassion and the gospel. So, right, yeah. Well, to sort of wrap this up and put a bow on it, I remember uh, Kurt Thompson. I mean, there's a video. I can't remember who he was. It may have been with Biola, and you can you you can search on YouTube for this. But uh, he said that the greatest gift the parent offers their children is to know their own story. Mm. Meaning if you're able to organize and understand what's happening inside of you, you are able to offer something uh, of you as a better person to your children rather than parenting them out of your own anxiety and your own confusion. And as you see from this idea, this simple idea of head, heart, and hand, we're talking about us as coaches becoming the best that we can be so that we can offer help and assistance for others. Mm -hmm. And so by knowing our own story, by understanding our Enneagram type and all that has helped to shape uh, that expression of that, and plus with a heart that's been renewed by the Holy Spirit because of its faith working itself out in love. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have great confidence in this, that the work and experiences that we have in our life 
matter to people. And God intends to use our story to bring glory to him and for us to experience joy as well. Well, and as we get to know our story and we bring it before the cross and Christ, he is then working in and through us to help us to grow and transform. And I know for me as a coach, I literally cannot be a great coach without, I've already done some of my own work, right? We're always Mm -hmm. still in a process. So it's some, it's not all. (laughs) I wish it was all. I wish I, I wish I could say done. (laughs) Such a nine I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I done. Do I have to keep going? I like get excited and giddy on counseling days. I know you do. And I'm like, oh, I know this is good. Why do we need to go? Beth will even turn to me like, well, yeah, what's going on in my life that I need to talk to her counselor about? (laughs) I do. I look at him and I'm like, what's happened this week? What what should I remember? What do I need to talk about? It's so true. Well, and that comes to the point. I have to know my own story and and take notes during the week and write it down or, or be mindful or even say to you, Jeff, like, hey, when I, you know, speak with the counselor, remind me of these things because I might forget, you know, as a nine. Um, but it's so important that as coaches that we already have and are continuing to do our own work because that very work will, one, make us healthier coaches, but mm-hmm. it will also spill into the lives of those that we're coaching. And we also then have greater empathy and compassion for what they're going through. Well, as we're closing this out, guys, we're so thankful that you're listening. You know, it's our passion here at Your Enneagram Coach to develop, train, and to certify Enneagram coaches. We have over 1,500 around the world Mm. that have taken our course, and we keep, you know, bringing more in and teaching and training them, and it's our joy to see this army of people out there blessing others with the good news of Jesus Christ and using the tool of the Enneagram to bring astonishing clarity to what's going on in their own world. So remember, everyone, we're so thankful that we're that you've joined us. And remember this, that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It's the gospel that transforms us and our clients. Thanks for joining us.